Yes, it is. Welcome to it. We are back. It is Monday. A new week is upon us. Well, the new week is actually Sunday, but who's counting? The work week starts today, right? So well, there you go. It's 632. John Scholes here and alongside Alex Luchaferro. Always handling the Monday duties of the Employment Law Show. And Alex is your guy to reach out to anytime uh, beyond this half hour as well. I'll give you that contact information right off the top. one 821 to call Alex and his team. one 821 Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And uh, the main topic of the show over the next half hour is going to be dealing with bad performance reviews, criticism, and discipline. And uh, we'll kick things off with the, uh, the case of the day, pal. What's going on with you? Hey, Johnny. Happy Monday evening to you. Great to be back live on the air as usual, talking employment law, workplace rights for employees and for employers as well. Uh, Another busy Monday, John. It's going to be a race to the end of the year at this point, uh, continuing to help people with their workplace situations, solving problems, giving legal advice, helping people, of course, get the severance that they're owed. You know, our entire team just speak to people every single day, all day. Uh, people reach out to us, John, they've either heard the radio show uh, or they've been put in touch with us you know, through a family member or a friend. These people call us because they are dealing with a situation at work. They're dealing with a problem at work. They don't know what to do exactly. They don't know what options they have. They don't know how to respond to their employer. And as you very well know, John, that's exactly what we do here. We help people resolve their workplace problems. It's the bread and butter of our work. It's what we pride ourselves on. And what's great about our job, uh, John, is that after people speak with us, they feel a heck of a lot better. A lot of employment situations, I would say the vast majority of situations at work, in fact, from a legal point of view, they can actually be resolved extremely easily, John. Our laws are quite robust from an employment uh, employee point of view. They're actually quite protective of employees. But of course, you can't have that law working for you if you don't know how it works, if you don't know what it is. And listen, there are situations that are much more complicated, of course. We can't perfectly resolve every single situation, every single problem. But people are at least grateful to know, again, what options they have, what their rights are, where that line in the sand is. So if you're listening to us right now, you're dealing with a problem at work or a difficult situation at work. Maybe you've been let go and you've been offered some sort of severance package. Maybe your boss is treating you badly. Maybe your employer is trying to change your terms of employment. Give us a call right now an opportunity to speak with an employment lawyer. Let's solve that problem. Let's alleviate those stresses, those concerns, that anxiety that so many employees have when they're dealing with their employer. We're here to talk. We're here to help. I always encourage our listeners, John, you know this well. You do this yourself. Do not be shy. There are no bad questions when it comes to employment law. There are no silly questions here. And listen, of course, if you don't want to call in, maybe it's too complicated. Maybe uh, it's a little too private. Give us a call at the office. Let's have a chat, you and I. Speak with one of our other employment lawyers at the firm. Certainly, you can call us at the office as well. Uh, To get us all started and warmed up for this evening's show, John, of course, we always start the segment with with the case of the day. It's it's an opportunity to talk about a matter that came across uh, my desk today that I dealt with uh, personally. Uh, And on the note of a difficult workplace situation, Uh, John, I spoke to a very nice lady earlier today who was actually quite a bad situation, I have to say. Uh, She explained to me in in some pretty pretty grim details, uh, John, that she was being mistreated at work by uh, by her direct manager. This is a rather large employer uh, that this lady is working for, and she is being mistreated by her boss, by her direct manager, John, in some pretty terrible ways. Uh, And I've seen examples of this in writing 
Her boss is extremely rude to, uh, rude to her, uh, threatening her job. John, in email, if you can believe it, using foul language, putting her down in front of other employees um, to the point that this employee is now on a medical leave of absence, John. I mean, that's wow. really how bad it is. Her boss has been mistreating her so badly uh, that she's uh, just kind of put her hands up and said, you know what, I, I can't take this anymore. It's affecting my health. And she got her doctor to give her some time off. And, of course, she gave us a call as well. She wanted to know, what can I do here? Is this yeah. something I could do something about? Is it something that I have to suffer through uh, and there's no solution? And, of course, and you know, every time I speak to somebody in this situation, John, it almost always will end up on the case of the day. I hate to say it. It happens increasingly more frequently and more often yeah. Uh, I told this this lady, uh, uh, John, I told her, absolutely not. You do not have to suffer through a poisoned work environment like this. You have the right to be free from harassment, free from bullying. I mean, this is kind of a classic case of bullying, uh, uh, John, as do all our listeners. You have a right to, be, to work in an environment that is free from that toxicity. Uh, and if it happens to you where you're working in that work environment that becomes poisoned, you can treat your employment as being terminated. It's kind. It's like a breach of contract situation. It's what we call as employment lawyers a constructive dismissal. In a situation where your workplace is not resolving these issues of bullying and harassment, you can actually treat your employment as terminated and obtain severance, kind of leave the workplace and obtain severance. And in this case, the treatment was so obviously bad, so kind of extreme. It's one of the worst situations I've seen, in fact. And I haven't, to be clear, I haven't gone into all of the details. It's actually kind of worse than, than I've let on here. Listen, we're going to get out, her out of that work environment. She's already on a medical leave of absence. We're going to get her the severance that she is owed so she can move on, work in a better workplace, a better work environment. So I wanted to mention that, uh, John, because a lot of people out there think that there is, you know, there is shame in being bullied at work or that they have no options when it comes That's to right. a bad boss or a difficult work environment. But there are options. There are rights for employees in these situations. The law comes down actually quite hard on employers who don't foster a safe, proper work environment. And so if, if that happens to you uh, and you don't know what to do and you're, you know, you've reached out to perhaps your HR department or somebody internally within the company and they haven't solved the situation, give us a call. Let's talk about it. Let's discuss your options, what your best option is. Certainly, I don't want any employee just quitting claiming right. harassment in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Don't jump the gun and quit. Let's have a conversation first, strategize, decide what your best course of action is and get working on that solution. It's going to get all of this stress and a terrible situation off of the employee's shoulders. Good way to get us launched, pal. We'll uh, take a short break and right back into our topic uh, for the rest of the evening. As you know, dealing with bad performance reviews, criticism, and discipline. There you go. It's kind of related. So we'll get to that. Monday night edition. Employment Law Show continues. Hang in there. Email for Alex anytime is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And you also have the option of using the website, which was designed to help you out and make you that much smarter when it comes to employment law, workplace rights, called pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll get to our first phone call here uh, in just a moment and the subsequent ones after that, but we're dealing with the bad performance reviews, criticism, and discipline part of the show. Uh, first one, first thing out of the gate, uh, Alex, if an employee does not believe that a bad performance review or a performance improvement plan from their employer is justified, which a lot of the times they don't, what should they do? 
Yeah, it's a situation we see lots and that we deal with lots, uh, John, in the sense that lots of employees will reach out to us and contact us uh, saying, you know, my employer just put me on a performance improvement plan, what's known as a PIP, P-I-P, performance improvement plan. And, and, uh, and of course, the employees feel it's wholly unjustified. You know, the employer is kind of picking on them and they feel their performance is perfectly adequate, if not, you know, if not very strong. And they're kind of wondering what their options are in response. Do they have to accept this? A lot of times, John, these plans will come with, you know, an initial letter or some language uh, in them that says, you know, if you don't improve, we may terminate your employment. That obviously gets employees very, very uh, worried and gets, you know, the red flag waving in the, in the air. And, and listen, the advice in response to all of this is, is actually pretty straightforward and common sense. Uh, uh, John, typically what I will tell an employee if they don't agree with a performance improvement plan, is to put their concerns in writing back to the employer. So whether that's you know in a responding email or as part of the performance improvement process, if you're sitting down for a meeting, perhaps you want to you know have notes ready and then and have something in writing for the company to prepare. But put down why you disagree with yeah. the performance concerns. Ideally, as an employee you can point to specific metrics or measures as to why you don't agree. You know, if you're a salesperson and you're, you know, your earnings or your, uh, you know, your sales are being compared to other employees, well, hopefully you have some data there that you can back yourself up with. So kind of come prepared with a defense, so to speak, when you're dealing with a performance improvement plan. I could tell you this, John, maybe as a final comment here before we get to the calls, there are really two general situations when it comes to these performance improvement uh, plans. Uh, listen, I have to say, in some amount, uh, you know, some percentage of the time, these performance reviews or performance improvement plans are justified, right? The employee is kind of not, not measuring up in one way or the other, and the employer is just kind of putting them on notice and putting it on the record, so to speak, on their file, that they need to improve in these kinds of ways. And as an employee, you know, look at it objectively. If you agree, if, you know, if it's obvious that you can improve in one or two ways, listen, it's okay that your employer puts it in writing, uh, right? And if your employer is making some efforts to try and help you improve in those ways, mm -hmm. go for it. There's nothing overly kind of concerning about that situation. However, what we see often is certain situations uh, where employers will try and use a performance improvement plan as a way to push the employee out, yeah. either force them to resign uh, or force them to ask for a change in department or a change in position. We see this a lot, John, when a new manager comes into a department and that manager may or you know may want their own people in place in that particular department or in that particular sector of the company, right? And they start forcing these performance improvement plans on the existing employees as a way to, again, kind of get them, you know, force them out, force them to change jobs or change positions. And of course, in those kinds of situations, and again, you don't agree with a performance improvement plan, you don't have to sign it, you don't have to accept it, but put mm -hmm. your concerns, put your responses down in writing. You want that evidence if a week from now or a month from now or even a year from now, uh, right, those concerns come up again. You want to be able to point to your documented responses whenever time comes in the future. Let's get to that call, as you mentioned. Dave, thanks for standing by patiently, my friend. How are you tonight? I'm okay. Uh, how are you? Good. What's going on with you? So uh, 
I guess it, it's good the public knows. Um, I'm a paramedic and I work for the region of Peel. And uh, three days ago, there was a union meeting because we're a collective and I'm part of a union. And uh, their transitionary board, which is made up of five members, have decided that uh, as they dissolve the region, which will no longer exist as of January 2025, that they're going to, and I'll start with this. I've worked for the, re- I've worked for a few regional paramedic services for 17 years. And um, I love working there. I don't have any complaints. I've had the same partner for 15 years and I, it's just get, it's just gotten better and better. But what they've decided to do, and I don't know if the residents know this, but they've decided to break the original paramedic services into three parts. And as of 2025, um, the collective agreement will no longer exist. So I have, and I wish I had more answers. There's a lot of unknowns. So I'm trying to live in the now, but like, I don't know about benefits. I don't know about my wage. I have absolutely no clue. Like, I don't know if our mental health supports will be there it's um and i'm just wondering like if they transition us into different you know like what can they do what can't they do like it's kind of disheartening so okay what do you think alex yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's obviously a situation where, you know, the future is unknown. Now, they've mentioned mentioned something about, you know, the collective agreements being uh, being dissolved. And so for all our listeners out there, you know, paramedics, lots of lots of employees, I mean, in lots of different fields, certainly, but but especially in, in healthcare, are unionized employees. Now, when you're a unionized employee, the rules of the game, the rules of engagement, so to speak, your terms of employment, are governed by this collective agreement. It sets out in you know in, in very detailed content, basically your contract of employment, what the employer can and can't do, what happens in case of the cases of dispute between the employer and the union, and your union is effectively your legal representative as a unionized employee. If you have a problem with your employer, you know, unlike non-unionized employees, a unionized employee has to go to their union. And really can only go to their union when they have legal issues. Now, these collective agreements, uh, uh, John, as you might know, they uh, are set for a certain period of time. They're contracts for you know usually a number of years. Mm-hmm. And of course, when these contracts come to an end, they're, they are renegotiated. Now, these negotiations are what's called collective bargaining. You know, uh, the, the contracts, you know, they're not torn up to shreds and you're starting from scratch. Typically, there's negotiation around some terms and, you know, maybe employees are looking for raises or better benefits, etc. What it sounds like Dave was pointing to here was potentially at the end of this collective agreement, uh, right? The employer, I guess in this case, Peel Region, was looking to make some major changes uh, to how they're employing these employees. And listen, I agree with Dave. That's uh, certainly an interesting topic. Uh, It's certainly going to impact employees in those situations. Listen, I can't really comment more than that, John, because we don't know what the future holds in that respect. I'd be surprised if they are kind of actively dissolving the unions here. That doesn't sound realistic to me. I imagine it'll simply be a renegotiation. Again, another collective bargaining, at which point they will agree to a new collective agreement and life will go on. Now, to Dave's point, maybe that looks a little different than it does right now. Sure. Uh, uh, right. But uh, listen, the the devil's going to be in the details, of course. My only advice to Dave would be, and this would be my advice to any unionized employee, 
if you're concerned about these kinds of things, whether it's now or whether it's the time of collective bargaining, make sure you speak to your union rep. Again, your union is your only legal representative as a unionized employee. You can't speak as much as I'd love to you know, help Dave out or help anybody out that's a unionized employee, whether it's myself or any other employment lawyer. We cannot help unionized uh, employees. It's the union that is going to be assisting them. Make sure you have a good relationship with your union rep. If you are a unionized employee, they will be the ones that you have to fall back on if you have issues with your employer. Back to the uh, the main topic, uh, Alex, dealing with bad performance reviews, criticism, discipline. Can an employee take a medical leave of absence if the situation becomes too stressful? Is that kind of a, you know, ostrich sticking their head in the sand sort of thing? Like they can see yeah, through it. Yeah, it is. It is a little, uh, uh, John. Yeah. So, you know, I, I guess a couple of comments here. So, number number one, when we're talking about a medical leave of absence, or you know, you call it a stress leave, whatever we want to call it here. Listen, of course, that has to come from your doctor, right? So, you have to make an appointment with your doctor, go to a walk-in clinic, and if you speak to your doctor, and your doctor ultimately decides, or if you decide together with your doctor that you know, listen, your health is in jeopardy here. Maybe you're not sleeping. Maybe your blood pressure is high. You know, it could be any number of symptoms. And your doctor is telling you, listen, you need to take some time off. It's really important to listen to your doctor in, in that respect. Obviously, health comes first uh, in these situations, in any situation, uh, really. So if your doctor is telling you to take some time off, you know what? Take some time off. Listen to your doctor in that respect. Now, when we're talking about performance concerns or a performance improvement plan, John, I mean, you said it yourself, it, it is to a degree uh, kind of an ostrich burying their head in the sand because listen, those problems are not going to go away by themselves simply because you've taken a stress leave or you've taken a medical leave of absence. Odds are, and I could, you know, I'd bet on it, your employer is going to want to have that conversation again and or reopen that conversation once you come back from that stress leave. So it doesn't solve anything, John. The issue is still going to be there. And ultimately, you will still need to find a way to move forward with a performance improvement plan with your employer. Again, even if it's just respectfully, professionally disagreeing with them about it, uh, right? You're going to have to find that way forward. A medical leave is not going to solve any of that. But again, there's the other side of the coin there, which is that if your doctor's telling you to take it, might as well take it uh, because ultimately, uh, again, health comes first. How about behavior outside the workplace? I mean, uh, you know, can that can that uh, can an employee be disciplined for how they act in public, even or online and social media? I mean, they yeah. maybe even they're not wearing the company T-shirt, driving the company van. I mean, just they're they're doing stuff that might reflect poorly on the company. What do you think? Yeah, geez, it's a great question, uh, John. And actually, uh, as I'm sure you you could tell, a, a very topical one. I mean, we're seeing mm-hmm. lots going on in the news. Uh, now, lots of people kind of very vocal about their their own political views and and social views, et cetera. And listen, I, I'm not I'm not the one here that that's uh, that's the judge. You can have your own opinion, certainly. But listen, you've got to keep in mind that, especially online, especially when it comes to social media and things like you know uh, you know platforms like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, you know you are putting yourself out there, and your employer can ultimately make a decision about your employment based on that conduct, right? An employer would still be within its rights to let an employee go, maybe because they saw something they didn't like on social media. That's not impossible at all, John. Now, maybe as an employee, you're owed severance 
in that kind of situation, right? So maybe you know your your behavior outside of the workplace doesn't rise to a level where they can let you go without severance. But in Ontario, certainly, and in, this is generally true across Canada, an employer can let an employee go without cause. That's the phrase that's used. And without cause means, well, for no reason at all, the employer can just make that decision. So if an employer doesn't like what it's seeing from you online, they can let you go without cause. And guess what? Fine, you'd be owed severance. And severance is significant, uh, right, based on an employee's age, position, and years of service. Your severance entitlements might be you know, might be a, a, a large amount of money, but that kind of behavior can cost you your job. And so we always advise employees, be careful what you post online. Be careful what you post on social uh, uh, social media. Sure, you may be opinionated. And listen, you may even be right. Uh, <laughs> but that kind of behavior may ultimately have an impact on your employment, whether you like it or not. Uh, and it could cost you. It could cost you your job. And again, we could talk about severance, you know, all we want. But if you value your employment, you should be thinking twice about what you post on. Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of people think, well, it's you know, I'm not on the company computer. I'm on my own computer and my own social media. It's it's not worth it. I mean, the general rule. I know we got to get out of here in about uh, 30 seconds. I know we've talked about this before, Alex. The general rule is if you're about to post something and hit click or send or post, walk away for five minutes, have a coffee. Wash your hands, come back and go, Ugh, okay, you know what? Yep. Cooler heads must prevail. Maybe I shouldn't be posting this. And that's usually what happens. And then you delete it and don't uh, risk your job, right? <laughs> yeah, we've got to remember this is a public forum. Yeah. Think about, well, if my boss saw this, what would they What would they think or say? Exactly. Or if my employer saw this, how would this reflect on them? You know, if you have your your work, you know, your, your employer listed in the title of your Twitter profile or your LinkedIn profile, that will it. reflect on the employer. And again, you got to think twice about it. Good stuff, my friend. You are done and we are done. And you can tune back in tomorrow at 630 for another round of the Employment Law Show. In the meantime, reaching out to Alex and team, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And the website, available for you anytime anonymously, too, if you want to use that severance uh, calculator. It's handy, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Back at it 12 hours from now. Well, 24, actually, a little less than 6.30 Tuesday. We'll pick it up again for another edition of the Employment Law Show. Enjoy your night.